0: Section seventy of Irish Fairy Tales by James Stevens Bakuma of the White Skin Chapter ten. This is a LibriVox recording. All Librivox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Irish Fairy Tales by James Stevens he went forward in his light bark and at some moment found that he had parted from those seas and was adrift on vaster and more turbulent billows from those dark green surges there gaped at him monstrous and cavernous jaws and round wicked red-rimmed bulging eyes stared fixedly at the boat a ridge of inky water rushed foaming mountainously on his board and behind that ridge came a vast warty head that gurgled and groaned but at these vile creatures he thrust with his lengthy spear or stabbed at closer reach with a dagger he was not spared one of the terrors which had been foretold Thus, in the dark, thick oak forest, he slew the seven hags and buried them in the molten lead which they had heated for him. He climbed an icy mountain, the cold breath of which seemed to slip into his body and chip off inside of his bones, and there, until he mastered the sort of climbing on ice, for each step that he took upwards, he slipped back ten steps almost his heart gave way before he learned to climb that venomous hill in a forked glen into which he slipped at nightfall he was surrounded by giant toads who spat poison and were icy as the land they lived in and were cold and foul and savage at shlievsaev he encountered the long-maned lions who lie in wait for the beasts of the world growling woefully as they squat above their prey and crunch those terrified bones he came on iolil of the black teeth sitting on the bridge that spanned a torrent and the grim giant was grinding his teeth on a pillar stone art drew nigh unobserved and brought him low It was not for nothing that these difficulties and dangers were in his path. These things and creatures were the invention of Doghead, the wife of Morgan, for it had become known to her that she would die on the day her daughter was wooed. Therefore, none of the dangers encountered by art were real, but were magical chimeras conjured against him by the great witch affronting all conquering all he came in time to morgan's dun a place so lovely that after the miseries through which he had struggled he almost wept to see beauty again delvcam knew that he was coming she was waiting for him yearning for him to her mind art was not only love he was freedom for the poor girl was a captive in her father's home a great pillar an hundred feet high had been built on the roof of morgan's palace and on the top of this pillar a tiny room had been constructed and in this room delfcam was a prisoner she was lovelier in shape than any other princess of the many-colored land she was wiser than all the other women of that land and she was skilful in music embroidery and chastity and in all else that pertained to the knowledge of a queen although delfcam's mother wished nothing but ill to art she yet treated him with the courtesy proper in a queen on the one hand and fitting towards the son of the king of ireland on the other therefore when art entered the palace he was met and kissed and he was bathed and clothed and fed two young girls came to him then having a cup in each of their hands and presented him with the kingly drink but remembering the warning which credel had given him he drank only from the right-hand cup and escaped the poison Next, he was visited by Delphkem's mother, Doghead, daughter of the king of the Dogheads, and Morgan's queen. She was dressed in full armor, and she challenged Art to fight with her. It was a woeful combat, for there was no craft or sagacity unknown to her, and Art would infallibly have perished by her hand, but that her days were numbered her star was out and her time had come it was her head that rolled on the ground when the combat was over and it was her head that grinned and shrivelled on the vacant spike which she had reserved for arts then art liberated delvcam from her prison at the top of the pillar and they were affianced together But the ceremony had scarcely been completed when the tread of a single man caused the palace to quake and seemed to jar the world it was morgan returning to the palace the gloomy king challenged him to combat also and in his honour art put on the battle-harness which he had brought from ireland he wore a breastplate and helmet of gold a mantle of blue satin swung from his shoulders his left hand was thrust into the grips of a purple shield deeply bossed with silver and in the other hand he held the wide grooved blue hilted sword which had rung so often into fights and combats and joyous feats and exercises up to this time the trials through which he had passed had seemed so great that they could not easily be added to but if all those trials had been gathered into one vast calamity they would not equal one half of the rage and catastrophe of his war with morgan for what he could not effect by arms morgan would endeavor by guile so that while art drove at him or parried a crafty blow the shape of morgan changed before his eyes and the monstrous king was having at him in another form and from a new direction it was well for the son of the Ardri that he had been beloved by the poets and magicians of his land and that they had taught him all that was known of shape-changing and words of power he had need of all these at times for the weapon must change with the enemy they fought with their foreheads as two giant stags and the crash of their monstrous onslaught rolled and lingered on the air long after their skulls had parted THEN, AS TWO LIONS, LONG-CLAWED, DEEP-MOUTHED, SNARLING WITH rigid MANE, WITH RED-EYED GLARE, WITH FLASHING, SHARP-WHITE FANGS, THEY PROWLED LITHELY ABOUT EACH OTHER, SEEKING FOR AN OPENING. AND THEN, AS TWO GREEN-RIDGED, WHITE-TOPPED, BROAD-SWUNG, OVERWHELMING, VEHEMENT BILLOWS OF THE DEEP, they met and crashed and sunk into and rolled away from each other and the noise of these two waves was as the roar of all ocean when the howl of the tempest is drowned in the league-long fury of the surge but when the wife's time has come the husband is doomed he is required elsewhere by his beloved and morgan went to rejoin his queen in the world that comes after the many-coloured land and his victor shore that knowledgeable head away from its giant shoulders he did not tarry in the many-coloured land for he had nothing further to seek there he gathered the things which pleased him best from among the treasures of its grisly king and with delvcam by his side they stepped into the coracle then setting their minds on ireland they went there as it were in a flash the waves of all the world seemed to whirl past them in one huge green cataract the sound of all these oceans boomed in their ears for one eternal instant nothing was for that moment but a vast roar and pour of waters thence they swung into a silence equally vast and so sudden that it was as thunderous in the comparison as was the elemental rage they quitted for a time they sat panting staring at each other holding each other lest not only their lives but their very souls should be swirled away in the gusty passage of world within world and then looking abroad they saw the small bright waves creaming by the rocks of ben Adair, and they blessed the power that had guided and protected them and they blessed the comely land of ire on reaching tara delvcam who was more powerful in art and magic than Bikuma, ordered the latter to go away, and she did so. She left the king's side. She came from the midst of the counselors and magicians. She did not bid farewell to anyone. She did not say goodbye to the king as she set out for Ben Adair. End of chapter 10 End of Bakuma of the White Skin